be with you. And also, and also with, with you. you. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, you were delivered for our offenses and raised again for our justification. Bless and defend your holy church and do your word with power and strengthen our faith. And after the sufferings of this life, grant us to celebrate a happy Easter, rising again to live and reign with you in all eternity. Amen. Amen. I invite you to open up your scriptures to Psalm 8 or scroll to it on your phone. We'll be looking at Psalm 8 together today. O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. When I look at thy heavens, the work of thy fingers, the moon and the stars which thou hast established. What is man that you are mindful of him, and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings, and crowned him with the glory and honor. Thou hast given him dominion over the works of thy hands. Thou hast put all things under his feet. All sheep and oxen, and also the beasts of the field. The birds of the heavens, and the fish of the sea. Whatever passes along the paths of the seas. O Lord our God, how majestic is thy name in all the earth. Well, good day to you, Saints of Trinity Lutheran Church. This is Pastor Kieker, and I am sitting in the beautiful sanctuary of Trinity Lutheran Church in Clinton, Missouri. And I am joined today with my first ever couple on the show, Ron and Debbie Cousins. Welcome. The newest couple, no doubt. And the newest couple, that's right. (laughs) Recently married, uh, December 28th. That's right. Five months, going on six. Yes. How is married life? Wonderful. Great. Still in the honeymoon stage, I can see. (laughs) Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Six months, good. Um, Spending a lot of time together in the midst of these crazy perfect timing. Mm -hmm. Yes. So there's some couples who, like, are driving themselves crazy being so uh, locked up together because they've been together so Mm -hmm. long. Yeah. They're going a little stir crazy, but for those who are recently married, That's this right. is great. Huh? Kind of exciting. Debbie, we are just a few days away from your confirmation, and we're going to talk about your um, experiences thus far in the Lutheran Church because you did not grow up Lutheran. No, I did not. <laughs> and so I do want to dive into that. Um, but I want to start with Ron because Ron did grow up Lutheran. Pretty much this church. This church is your home church? Wow. Baptized here? Well, up on 2nd Street. Yes. Trinity Lutheran (laughs) Church in Clinton. You were baptized in. That's right. Confirmed in. Right. Been Lutheran all your life. Right. But your father was an adult convert to Lutheranism, right? Is that right? And mother, yeah. Uh, Father and mother. My dad worked for Kansas City Power and Light, got transferred here when the Montrose Station opened back in 1960 from Kansas City. And one of his coworkers invited him to church here at Trinity Lutheran Church. Hmm. He didn't have a church home. 
No. So what was the co-worker's name? Jim Wilhoyt. Jim and Evelyn Wilhoyt. Yeah. Okay. So Jim sees your father and says, hey, why don't you come to church with me? Well, back in those days, I don't know how many people will remember, but Jim Wilhoyt was kind of a stalwart of the, this church. So, hmm. yeah. So a simple <clears throat> invitation to come to church. They took Jim up on the invitation. They come, decide, they're, hey, this is the church to raise our family in. You being one of the children, how mm. old were you when they made mm, Six. And uh, now you, this has been your church home ever since. Pretty much. And uh, so tell me about this granddaughter of yours. Cameron. Cameron. Now, how she was just recently confirmed herself. Well, that's been several years now. She graduated from high school this year, but four years ago she was confirmed. Okay. And at uh, Timothy and Blue Springs. Timothy Lutheran. <clears throat> because of the invitation of Jim and Evelyn Wilhoyt for my parents to come here, my kids grew up Lutheran. My brothers and sisters grew up Lutheran. Curtis, and Rodney, my sisters, Kim and Rhonda, my other sister. So there's a whole branch of Lutherans because of that one invitation. And it's yeah. still producing fruit today. Exactly. Debbie has a very different experience, um, her journey into the Lutheran church than you. This is why I love having both of you together because you have very different upbringings that have led you to the Lutheran church. And for Ron, it was a simple invitation to your father 50 years ago. And that's all it took. For Debbie, uh, a little bit of a different story. Yeah. Tell, me, tell me about your upbringing and all the churches you've been associated with. And... Well, because I was adopted when I was quite young, I'd been into different churches. And I wound up going to the church where my adopted family went, which was Pentecostal. I was actually raised in a Pentecostal church, but when I got out on my own, I got away from the Pentecostal, and I got into Baptist churches. And something just wasn't right. I wasn't real happy there, so I tried uh, the Mormon church. That was spooky. <laughs> I, I stayed there. I, I tried to give them a chance. I was in it for about two years trying to understand them. Okay. Just didn't work. The Never more I prayed understand. about it, the more God led me away from it. Okay. Then I tried the Seventh-day Adventist okay. again for two years. And that wasn't quite right either. Mm -hmm. I mean, they, they went by the Bible, but yet they had things that weren't in the Bible, too, that I knew weren't right. Mm -hmm. So I went back to the Baptist church. Mm -hmm. It seemed to be the closest one. Yeah. But even there, it just didn't feel quite right. Mm -hmm. Their worship music is great and everything, mm -hmm. but to me, I don't mean to offend anyone, but to me it felt more like entertainment. And then when Ron and I got reacquainted and we started to date, he asked me to come to here, to this church. I oh said, boy. okay. So <laughs> we came and the minute I stepped into the sanctuary, I knew this was different. These beautiful windows mm -hmm. are gorgeous. Everything in this sanctuary just speaks of holiness toward the Lord. And the way the whole service went was completely different than anything else right. that I had ever witnessed. 
And I felt so right for the first time in my life. Here I am, 67 years old, and I finally find where God wants me to be. This is my church home. So I'm very grateful that I accepted Ron's invitation to get here. <laughs> and now I'm going to be confirmed as a member, and I can't thank God enough for that. Mm. It's wonderful. You said so many things that interest me. because So you grew up Pentecostal, mm-hmm. went to a Baptist church, mm-hmm. then stumbled into the Mormon church right. after Baptist, right. then went to Seventh-day Adventist, mm-hmm. then back to Baptist. Mm-hmm. So you've been all over Christianity <laughs> yeah. and as for Lutherans and for most of the Christian church, um, we would place Mormons even outside of Christianity since they don't believe in the triune God. So you've been all over the map, even outside the map. <laughs> I'm afraid so. <laughs> and, um, and then you came back and, and you said the Baptist church was the closest thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot, of, a lot of good stuff going on in the Baptist church. Um, and through that, uh, you said something wasn't quite right. Um, have you ever been able to put your finger on the thing that didn't seem quite right? Or maybe it's better to ask this. When you came into the Lutheran church, it always gets me nervous. And Ron, I think, was a little nervous, too, because when you said it yourself, it's very different. Mm-hmm. Lutheran worship is very different. If you've grown up, you're typical evangelical in America, Baptist or Methodist, or um, worship is, like you said, it can, be, it can seem more like entertainment. Whereas our service is not at all meant to entertain you. (laughs) And some people might say your, your word was spooky for the Mormon church. Some people, some Lutherans even will say our service is spooky to newcomers, right? Newcomers will come in here and think everything we do is so weird, right? You say it's different. And when you came in, your first experience with the historical liturgy, the the Mm -hmm. type of worship the church has done for 2000 years you found that to be so right at the very mm-hmm. first time it was right it it was holy the whole service i didn't feel out of place i felt very close to the lord here mm. there was no big band there was no people dancing up you know around the podium uh things that i'm used to mm-hmm. used to be used to it was just everything was so sincere and quiet and the way I have always thought a church service should be is sincere worship to the Lord and that's what I found here 100% hmm. which I've never found anywhere else yeah I'm glad I'm glad you found it here oh me too <laughs> <laughs> you said it feels like this is your home mm-hmm even when you watch other churches on TV, they seem more like a Bible study, whereas a Lutheran church, it's, it it's, it's about worship. Mm-hmm. Bible study's nice, it's yeah. important, but it's not the same as worship. Right. Two different things. Yeah. Being in awe mm-hmm. of God and Jesus. There's a lot about it that she likes, the reading of the scriptures. Oh, yeah. I, I haven't found anything I dislike. <laughs> the yeah. communion. You haven't been Lutheran long enough, have you? <laughs> <laughs> she likes communion. She yes. Likes, mm-hmm. She couldn't wait to 
be able to take And that, that's time. another thing that I found different here. Where with the Mormon church, when it came to uh, communion, they had water hmm. instead of wine. And other churches like Pentecostal and the Baptist, they had grape juice. Hmm. Here, it's the real thing that right. Jesus himself served. That was very impressive to me. Yeah. And I, it just made me feel even more like this is the church that I think if Jesus were to come in, he would feel at home. <laughs> <laughs> right. Like you said, we find churches that teach the Bible, but then also teach other things that aren't in the Bible. And, um, and so it's hard to find a church that really does just stick to the word alone. And for Lutherans, that's, that's how we came into being, was the teaching of the scriptures alone, the word alone. And this is impressed upon every Lutheran, um, you know, as you're talking about holiness. And so it's just running through my head constantly. The thing that makes it holy is the word. Mm -hmm. The thing that we revere and we hold high is the word. So it's the word of God that makes us holy. And so I think any Christian who stumbles into a Lutheran church if they treasure the word, they're going to treasure the service because the service is just the word of God that we're saying back and forth, that we're singing mm -hmm. back and forth. So if they love the word, they'll love Lutheran. They love Lutheran. That's right. You know, I, I don't know if you knew this about your husband. Um, I can share. I'm going to share this with you just in case you didn't know. <laughs> but Ron actually came. He came into my office before you started confirmation class because mm -hmm. I think he was worried. He didn't know how you were going to take the classes, so he wanted to make sure that I was not going to beat you up or something. I don't know. <laughs> and I just, I, I said to Ron, I said, I remember that conversation. Yes. I said, Ron, is she a Christian? And he said, well, yeah. And I said, does she love Jesus? Well, yeah. I said, well, she, does she love the word? Oh, yeah. She yeah. loves the word. I said, then she'll be just fine. <laughs> I, I knew that we would have great classes together because the one who <clears throat> highly treasures the word of God will end up, you know, loving the Lutheran church. Even a lot of Lutherans don't realize it. And about uh, the young lady in the previous podcast mentioned it too. <clears throat> There's a big difference between Lutherans and, and it's ironic, but Lutherans are not really Protestant. They're not right. The, they're, I mean, they're Protestants and then they're Lutheran. Yes. And uh, we're in this weird middle that no one. The, the no Protestants, one we do a lot of things the Protestants don't do. So, mm -hmm. uh, and so it's yeah. just different. Yeah, that was Casey. She was sharing her experience at Washington <clears throat> University and how her professors, when they talk about Christianity, they'll put up two boxes, right? Catholics teach this, Protestants teach this. And they kind of skip over. Yeah the middle ground that's still trying to hold on to the truth of both sides, right? And that middle ground we see as ourselves. So Lutherans are the middle way where we hold up the word, which Protestants get, right? The word of God alone, that's instilled in most Protestants that we don't follow a hierarchy or church tradition, just the word of God alone. And the Protestants say, yeah, right? That's great. <laughs> but then... Um, 
But you did a good job, job teaching the class because oh, yeah. <laughs> you didn't let people just, you didn't gloss over anything. You went into detail about what we believe about communion, what we believe mm -hmm. about baptism. And you made it easy to understand. And, oh, uh, good. Yeah. The easy thing to do would just kind of, eh, everybody believes pretty Everyone much. Everyone believes the same thing, yeah, yeah right. No, but there are differences. But you brought out the differences and made it so she mm -hmm. understood the differences and she was receptive and open to it so. yeah i mean i had a pretty good basic idea of christianity mm -hmm. you know just by taking what i got from here and there and everywhere <laughs> kind of putting it all in one you know yeah. but i didn't have it, everything that i needed to really understand the word of god mm. and i still am studying i'm sure we all just keep mm. studying whenever we'll finish but right. here being a Lutheran, it's a little bit easier for me. Mm. Just simply because I know that I'm not the only one that feels that way. Everybody here does. Yes, we're all one mm -hmm. in our faith, which our Lord prays for. Right? He prays for his followers to be one. Right. And the Lutheran Church takes that prayer seriously. We want our brothers and sisters to be one which right. is why we go through the classes and why we hit the hard-hitting topics of, mm -hmm. look, this is what we believe communion is. And this is what we believe baptism is. And this is what we believe the Word of God is. And, and in it's fact, Lutheran in takes it to extreme because you can't just say, well, I believe most of it or I believe everything <laughs> except this. you got to believe everybody believes the same. Exactly, right. yeah. It becomes a question of, well, um, you know, which doctrine is not important? And at the end of the day, we, we have to say, well, they all are. Mm -hmm. Because the doctrine that we teach from the scriptures are all the word of God. And the word of God is true. And I can't teach you 90% of that truth <clears throat> and then still be wishy-washy on the other 10%. Right. Um, so, yeah, Lutherans are... If, if you say that I made the class easy, you all made the class easy. <laughs> you were a joy to, to walk through the catechism with because when someone's sitting across the, the table from me or even across in the pew from me in the pulpit the same way, when one's in a position of humility, genuinely wanting to know, genuinely wanting to know what the scriptures say, then it's so easy. Right, the faith is there, the humility is there. Mm -hmm. You give them the word of God, and they're saying, "Yes, I believe that. I believe that. Perfect." It's hard when someone's sitting across the other side and and with no humility, and saying, "I don't believe that." Right, and it's like, well, that's what the word says, and if you don't believe it, then there's disagreement here because I'm I have to teach you what the word says. And with our classes, every time I pulled out the Bible, Debbie was, yep, I believe that. And there was one time you shared with me, you talked about how growing up, there were things that you would hear in your churches that you knew just didn't line up with the scriptures. Mm -hmm. There's one of the biggest ones I remember that we talked about was when um, Jesus was serving the bread and the wine. Mm -hmm. And he said, uh, take this, for this is my blood. And take this, this bread is my flesh. Mm -hmm. And just like everybody else, I thought, okay, that is a symbolic thing. Mm -hmm. But then you explained to me that it wasn't. 
man, as I was growing up, I always just thought like everyone, it was, no, that's just symbolic. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because that's what our reason would tell us, that this can't possibly mm-hmm. be his body and blood. That doesn't make sense. But yet the word says it is. Exactly. A lot of things in Christianity don't make sense. Yes. Humanly speaking. Yeah. Original sin, baptism, communion. Oh, Ron. You just channeled Luther because he has this quote. And you, per- you just stated it perfectly. He's writing and he says, um, he says, everything must be taken by faith. For if Christianity is based on reason, then you must throw out baptism, the Eucharist, forgiveness of sins, original sin. Everything goes out the window when Christianity is all just head knowledge. And that should be an eye-opener for all of us in our walk. That's what Lutheran and Erasmus fought about exactly all, all the time. Yeah, the Lutheranism <laughs> is Christianity. Um, it's all by faith, mm-hmm. faith alone. So when Jesus says, this is my body, <clears throat> My reason says, no, it's not, but my, but faith says, yes, it is. And so we hold on to faith. When, G- when Jesus says, um, baptism now saves you in First Peter, baptism now saves you, my reason says, that can't be, I don't understand, but faith says, it is, it must be. Mm-hmm. There's another thing with the baptism, too, mm-hmm. which I had always heard that some churches baptized you know, with the water, with the font, like we do here. Yeah. And where I, a lot of the churches I came from denied doing it that way. Right. They said that was not the right way. Mm-hmm. You had to go down into the water, which symbolizes the death of Jesus and the resurrection of Jesus. Mm-hmm. But then I also heard others say, well, if you're a sinner, you can go in a dirty sinner and come out a clean sinner, <laughs> you know. So I'm going, okay, here's this and here's this, and these just don't seem to match up to me. So I was very confused about the baptism Mm -hmm. until you explained it to me Mm -hmm. because it's washing of the water and the Word. The Word That's what baptism is all about, the Mm -hmm. Word Mm -hmm. and the water. And it's God's action, not ours. Exactly. Once you understand that. That made so much sense to me that I was able to get rid of this... Controversy here. Yeah, Debbie, I wish I wish I could channel you with so many people I know because <laughs> I have this. I've been having this conversation for over a decade with some people, and they just don't get it. And with you, baptism was it was literally like a three minute switch, like the mm-hmm. light bulb went off, and you went, "Oh, well, it just made perfect sense." That's it. Washing with the word. The wa- washing with and the word. And it isn't like Ron said. God does it. Man doesn't. Yeah. It's a gift received. Yes. God does it. He gives it to you. Right. And it's on him, right? This is the problem with us sinners is we like to, we'll point to the man-made parts of it and make laws about those things, right? So you have to be immersed or you have to do it this way or it doesn't count. Where's that in the scriptures, right? <laughs> Jesus says, go and baptize them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And baptize simply means to wash. And, uh, you know, as long as there's the washing, the water, and his word, it is a baptism. And a lot of times you can tell it's not right because 
there's a lot of other churches that will baptize people multiple times mm-hmm. because after a few years, people think it wears off. I, well, I, no. I've done a lot of bad things since then. I think I need to be rebaptized. Right. You know, you're never, it doesn't work. It's not something you do right. to get clean. It's yes. something God does. Yeah, and that, that is the, <clears throat> that's the ultimate conclusion of that way of thinking. Yeah. Right? Baptism is something I do. Well, then if I mess it up or I backslide, I've got to do it again and again and again. Whereas for the Lutheran, for the one who's reading the scriptures, baptism's a gift from God. And And if he does it, then it took. And Luther says, remember your baptism daily. Yeah. So Ask for forgiveness daily. A lot of places that once you ask for forgiveness, you're done. You're good. Yeah. The life of a Christian is a life of repentance, Luther said. Every day we remember we're baptized we confess that we're sinners, we fall short, and we live by the grace of God. There's a lot of difference between Lutherans and Protestants. <laughs> there are. Lots of major differences. <clears throat> yeah. Uh, Debbie has lived it, and now, mm-hmm. this Sunday, getting confirmed into the Lutheran Church. So, I'm looking She's forward excited to it. about it. Yes, I am. What a joyous day it will be. It'll be, um, it'll be great. Okay, so Psalm 8. Um, let's spend a few minutes looking at Psalm 8 together. The very first verse, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. He's so majestic that he himself is lifted so highly in this psalm. Mm-hmm. The word majestic describes God to me, that is the highest form of praise in our human language that we can give him. Mm. He's, of course, he's heavenly, he's kingly, he's, he's top, you know, he, he's just everything. Mm-hmm. Majestic, mm-hmm. he's royal. And I just love that word majestic when it comes to describing God. Yeah, I like that you say it's the closest word that we can describe God in our mm-hmm. human language language you're distinguishing um who god is and how we describe him because ultimately all human language falls short of describing god absolutely um so majestics is about as close as we can get but he is so much more than majestic than heavenly than any other human word i can try to come up with right um But the attribute of God that's lifted up, the thing that's called majestic in verse 1, we're told, is your name. How majestic is your name in all the earth? And so I want to explore this a little bit with you, is the name of the Lord. This psalm, Psalm 8, is the appointed psalm for this coming Sunday, because this coming Sunday is the Feast of the Holy Trinity. The whole service will be about the name of the triune God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So you'll you see why Psalm 8 is appointed, because it's lifting up the name of the Lord. This is the thing about the Lord's name. Um, he's very mysterious about his name. He doesn't come out of the gate giving you his name. If you remember the story in Genesis 32, you have Jacob mm-hmm. wrestling with God at night. He's wrestling with a man all night, and there's this weird 
discourse that takes place the next morning, right? The angel, the God figure, God himself, this man, whoever Jacob's wrestling, Jacob's clinging on and, um, and he says, I won't let you go until you bless me. And so the angel says, what's your name? And Jacob says, uh, Jacob. And the angel says, well, you're not going to be called Jacob anymore. You're going to be called Israel. So he changes his name. But then Jacob says to the angel, this part of the story often gets left out. But then he follows up and he says, well, what's your name? And the angel just simply says, why do you ask? He doesn't answer. There's this divine silence Mm -hmm. about the name of God. Because once you name something, it's almost like limits him. It does. It does limit them, mm-hmm. right? I, your Debbie boxes him in. Box it boxes. Yes, exactly. It's human language. To us, it does. Probably. Yeah. But there was Moses. He asked God, "You're sending me back to rescue your people, to free your people, but I need to know your name." He says, "Just tell them I am who I am." And Hebrew is Yehia Asher Yehia. Uh, we translate this as I am who I am or the God who is is when Jacob asks the name he just gets back why do you ask and it's like never mind (laughs) (laughs) he's backing up right Uh, God doesn't you don't get God's name unless God gives it to you by grace his name there's two verbs yeah he has a verb it's the to be verb it's the is verb the estin of the Greek when Jesus says, this is my body. It's that, that is, I am. We would, some translations translate it, God, God is who he is. It's very strange. Um, St. Thomas Aquinas called this the ipsum essay, or the sheer act of being itself, that God is outside of our human language. Mm. And you don't get his name. He's very... You can't box them in. And so, and so the name of the Lord is to be hallowed. This is the first petition of the Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's the second commandment the Lord gives us. First commandment, you shall have no other gods. And the second commandment, don't misuse the name of the Lord your God. So we're told... And we see as we read the scriptures that the name of the Lord is majestic. There's something powerful about the name of the Lord. And so then the question becomes, how, are we, how do we honor the name? And we serve one another. Of course, that's obeying his commandments, serving one another. Mm-hmm. And we worship him. We don't use it in vain. Yeah. Right. Try and right. Don't use it casually. Mm-hmm. Probably. <laughs> yeah. And we tell others that don't know him. Mm-hmm. The name. Yeah. By which well, we we tell him we don't really know his name. But he is who he is. He is I am who I am. He is who he tells us he is. Our Creator. Mm-hmm. And that says a lot right there right he does not tell us who he is or what his name is who's beyond our language and yet also his name is jesus 
and in Jesus he is given a name. I mean, this is why the angel tells Mary, you will name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. And so in the name of Jesus, we are given a name. But again, I go back to the Jacob wrestling image. Jacob wrestles all night, mm-hmm. fights with the Lord, fights with the Lord, fights with the Lord. And he says, what's your name? And he doesn't get it. And that's the thing about the Lord's gifts. You can fight with the Lord and fight with the Lord and fight with the Lord, but it's not on you to get it. The Lord will give you the gifts. The Lord will give you his name whenever the Lord wants to. Mm-hmm. And it's always by his grace that he gives. So although Jacob was fighting and struggling, he doesn't get the name. His name gets changed because God's the one who's always in control. <laughs> right. Right? You want to know my name? Well, your name's changed. Who did Jacob think he was wrestling with? Well, he says afterwards, I wrestled with God. Mm-hmm. And, he, and he names the place. Uh, Pinuel. Yeah, so growing up, did you, in the Lutheran church, Ron, were there any things that you would see people do to honor the name of the Lord? You might remember in our liturgy, uh, we would, when God's name was always used, it would be thou or thee, right? Because mm-hmm. he <clears throat> deserved a different um, hallowed be thy name, not hallowed be your name. But in the last, I don't know, 20 or 30 years, we've changed that. In the Confessions of Sins, we'll say, we confess that we have by nature sinful and unclean. We have sinned against you mm-hmm. and thought, word, and deed, rather than we have sinned against thee. Mm-hmm. I used to say that growing up. We have sinned against thee in thought, word, and deed by what we have done. We have not loved thee with our whole heart. There's things that we can do to honor the name of the Lord. And I like Debbie's answers. You said, uh, love one another, live according to God's commandments, mm-hmm. and worship him. Which Luther says, and hallowed be thy name, how is God's name kept holy? Well, it's holy in and of itself, he says. Mm-hmm. We don't make God's name holy. It's holy in and of itself. Um, but we pray in this petition that it would be kept holy among us by teaching God's word purely, and by living according to it, mm-hmm. right? following his commandments, God's name is being hallowed, and also teaching his word, God's name's hallowed. And then in the second commandment, um, do not misuse the name of the Lord, Luther says, uh, d- don't curse or swear or use satanic mm-hmm. arts or lie or deceive by his name, but call upon it in prayer, praise, worship, and give thanks, right? worshiping mm-hmm. the Lord. So you tied in those both beautifully. Uh, But I've been thinking about it because there are ways that we used to honor the name of the Lord that have just kind of fallen aside with the way society has gone where everything becomes flippant and Mm -hmm. the name of the Lord used to be thee and thou when we would refer to the Lord and now it's you and your and we change that. But also, if you go back for the thousands of years the church has been worshiping the Lord, when we said the name of the Lord the church has always done something to honor it, right? The, the Jews, back in the Old Testament, they just would not say it. That was their way of honoring it. Um, for Christians, they would we would make the sign of the cross to honor it, right? Mm-hmm. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And they would cross themselves to honor it. 
or when the, the pastor or the priest was leading service, any time the name of the Lord was said, they would reverence, they would bow with their bodies to honor the name. Mm. The only thing that's remained in 2020 at Trinity Lutheran Church, it seems, is when we sing a hymn with the name, that's when we stand up. Did you know that, Debbie? No. <laughs> I'm afraid to say so. No. Yeah, most people don't. Why are we standing for this stanza and not the other stanza? I stand up whenever David Henney stands up. <laughs> He's got that down. He Thank you, David Henney, for giving cues to our and people. And then I forgot those little arrows there. There's a little triangle. It's a triangle for the Trinity. Yeah. It's signaling that in that verse, the name of the Lord is appearing. Father, oh. Son, and Holy Spirit. The triune name is there. It's usually the fourth, the last verse. It's usually the last stanza of a hymn, mm -hmm. and I'm sure there'll be some hymns this coming Sunday that are, that are Trinitarian verses, meaning the name, will, the name of God will be there. Jesus, mm -hmm. the Holy Spirit, and the Father. I did notice that about the Lutheran Church. We stand in here much more than other churches. <laughs> up, down, up, Which down. Which is great. <laughs> that is true, though. That is true. Yeah, we stand. Yeah. Um, in some Lutheran churches, you also kneel for confession and then kneel for communion. We don't have kneelers here. I personally, as you know, like the high church stuff, which does not fit in in Missouri very well. But Depending on which I wish we did do the science. I, mean, I didn't ever learn to do that, so I don't. But mm. it would have been nice if I had learned to do that kind of stuff. Well, you can start, Ron. So <laughs> no, but I like that kind. I like the statues. I like, I like yeah. all kinds of cool churchy things yeah so that's that's that is one of the things we do unbeknownst to many but now known to many that when we sing god's name we're standing wow. so there's never a part in the liturgy where we're sitting when god's name is spoken i'll remember that now yes so when you start to see people stand you'll go oh and you'll see it it'll be in the verse father son and holy spirit in some way trinity so we do do that but I'm with you, Ron. The ancient practices of the church were there for a good reason. Um, and if you're doing them mindlessly and, and rotely, right, they lose all meaning. And so, yeah, let's not do it. But actually engaging the body, when the name of God was spoken, people would make the sign of the cross or they would bow because we're reverencing the name psalm 8 showing respect showing respect to the name oh lord our lord how majestic is your name in all the earth mm -hmm. so there is something majestic simply about the name right absolutely there is psalm 8 is it it's about creation the beasts of the field all the sheep and oxen all you've put all things under his feet dominion over the works of your hands um when I look at the stars, the heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon, um, he's describing all these things that catch our eye. Mm -hmm. I see these beautiful sunsets and sunrises in Clinton. Always catch my eye. You stare at them and go, how majestic is that? And what Psalm 8 is saying is, the name of the Lord is more majestic than all of those things. That is the thing we should honor um, higher than anything else. And so it's an encouragement to me to slow down when the name of God is being spoken. So I would encourage people to find ways to honor the name of the Lord in, of course, living according to his word and pray, praise and give thanks to the name of God. That's mm -hmm. how we're to use his name. But also 
getting it in our bones, like making the sign of the cross, remembering the name, or reverencing. These were practices the church did for hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years, but somehow in the last 50 years, we've started to let it all drop away. Mm. Makes you wonder when you get to heaven if all that will come back again. Oh, well. I'm sure it will. <laughs> yeah. The worship that we experience here on earth is just a, just a small taste of mm. what it will be like in heaven. Um, and so all of this leads, and we'll end here, but all of this leads to our baptisms. Because in that baptism, that is when God, in his most holy, precious, majestic name, Put it on you and that was totally done by his grace he gave you his name right? this is jesus's promise baptize them in the name of the father son and holy spirit so as uh, a baptized child of god that means god's name's on me and here's the thing about god's name he won't let it get damaged he protects his name at all costs Throughout the Old and New Testament, he always defends his name. Which means if his name's on you, Debbie, mm -hmm. and his name's on Ron, and his name's on me, and his name's on you, whoever's listening, it means that God takes that name very seriously and he'll protect it no matter what. He's got you, he's gonna watch over you, and he will not let any harm or danger come and take that away he watches over protects blesses takes care provides and um and it's always by his grace and it should make all of us feel very special yeah being a child of god yeah thank you ron and debbie for being with me well, thanks for asking us our father, father who, who art, art in, in heaven, heaven hallowed be thy name Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor and give you peace. Amen. Thy strong word did cleave the darkness. At thy speaking it was done. For created light we thank thee, while thine ordered seasons run. Alleluia, alleluia, praise to thee who thy dost send. Alleluia, alleluia. Alleluia, without end. God the Father, light creator,
to the Lord and honor be, to the light of light begotten, praise be sung eternally. Holy Spirit, light revealer, glory, glory be to thee. Mortals, angels, now and ever, praise the Holy Trinity.